What's up, everyone? Welcome into post-game Locked On Bucks and what was uh, really teetering on the edge of being a, a depressing post-game podcast. Instead, <laughs> as the Bucks leading the series 2-1 in what was a long game, there's plenty to talk about, but perhaps most importantly, it was the latest playoff classic from Giannis. So we're going to break all that down and more. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Goal for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Cam Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and on weekends as we are right now, uh, post-game during the playoffs. Uh, you can also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me, uh, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And uh, Frank, uh, we didn't do the last post-game podcast together, but I will say you and Camille were just uh, sensational. And I was a little worried that I wasn't going to get the gig back, but here we are. And I'm glad uh, this, you know, we've spoken about this a little bit, Frank, but honestly, uh, last year's playoff run, you think about some of the grinded out games that the Bucks were able to win, the close games that they were able to win. Uh, ultimately, that defined a championship run. And tonight, this felt like a game that if the Bucks weren't able to squeeze this one out, they were in serious, serious trouble. Uh, I still think they have some issues, but ultimately, Giannis, we can talk about the ending, we can talk about everything else, but to get 40 points from Giannis, and for him to really, again, establish himself as the best player in the world and that I can carry this team to win despite the fact you've got a lot of other things going wrong on offense. Uh, we're, we're just fortunate, Frank. We say it all the time, but that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, I was talking to some friends before the game and, you know, I, I, I made the comment. I just I just want to see, you know, a great version of Giannis today. And, you know, if that's not good enough to, to beat the Celtics, then, you know, you kind of tip your cap to some extent. And... Uh, we did get a great version of Giannis. I, I would say still not the sharpest version of Giannis, but against, you know, a great Celtics defense to put up, you know, 42, what what do you have, 12 or 13 rebounds, eight assists, couple blocks, couple steals. Um, you know, he, he this was the ver- version of Giannis that we've been waiting for. And, you know, kind of like last series as well, it, it took a couple games to really see uh, kind of Giannis really settling in and getting comfortable uh, against even the Bulls defense, which, you know, I think had some some underrated moments, especially in that second game in Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, the Celtics are at another level defensively. And cer- certainly, you know, the, the glass half empty would say, man, the Bucks half-court offense was once again terrible today. And they needed that 21 to 11 edge in transition, really, which broke the game open, we thought, in the third quarter to, to seize the game, take that double-digit lead into the fourth quarter. Um, but you know, I, I think it was once again, as you, as you hinted that last year, the reason this team won a championship was because they took advantage of opportunities late in games and they were able to consistently win close games. Kind of, kind of reminded me of, at times of like game three against the nets where it was just like a rock fight and it came down, you know, bucks were losing at one point in like, I think with like a minute 25 left of that game, Durant hits a huge three to give them the lead. And in that game, it was Chris Middleton, uh, going back and forth with Kevin Durant. In this game, it was Giannis and then Drew Holiday hitting huge shots in that final minute. 
to win this game. And, you know, again, literally if it was, you know, 48 minutes and one second, it would have gone to overtime <laughs> because Al Horford eventually out of the chaos of the end of that game gets, gets a tip in, but it's just a, a, a fraction of a second too late. So, um, you know, not a uh, convincing win by any stretch, even with Giannis putting up the huge numbers and playing uh, to the level that that we were hoping and expecting from him at that best player in the world level. Uh, but still, you know, I think we also said coming into the series, there's going to be some close games. And so often a series that's only seven games comes down to, you know, which team is able to to steal those those wins on the margins. And, you know, especially if you're Boston, huge opportunity today to steal a game that you thought you were out of probably uh, going into the fourth quarter. And they had their chances to win this game. But ultimately, once again, the Bucks, and even without Chris Middleton, um, the half court was a was a struggle, but they were able to do just enough to come away with with the all important game three win. And, you know, as people I think you've probably heard the stats, right? The the winner of, of game three in a one one series, you know, usually goes on to win like 70 some percent of the time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the Celtics are going to have something to say about that stat. But um, but certainly, you know, you lose this game and you're on the back foot for sure going into game four, which becomes a must win. I don't know. Game four may still be a must win in some respects uh, because that way the Bucks, you know, again, would have to go back and win in Boston if they are to lose game four. But for now, you just have to sit back, take a very deep breath, <laughs> appreciate some great weather in Milwaukee, appreciate hopefully great weather wherever you guys are and enjoy a Saturday night uh, to celebrate a, a huge Bucks win. Yeah. Prior to the series, I, I just remember a couple of things that, that we discussed and a couple of things that I mentioned. One, uh, the Bucks could still win this series because of the defense and because they had Giannis, but you knew it was going to be a fight. And and I agree with you. I mean, now uh, I'm not predicting Bucks in five. Let's just say that. Uh, but the Bucks do ensure that they get, you know, at least game six. So they will come back depending on what happens for the rest of this series. But the defense was one of the reasons why I thought they could at least be competitive in this series. And then obviously Giannis. And then the other thing I said is they're going to need Drew Holiday to average 25 points. Well, he had 25 points in game one and he had 25 points in game three. So that so far is holding up. But defensively, I know you'll want to get into uh, some aspects of the defense, but just individually, when you talk about uh, the performance of Wesley Matthews, uh, Drew Holiday, uh, you know, even look, I thought Brooke was pretty important in, in moments and Giannis does what he does. But Wesley Matthews, again, I, I don't know how many times we've mentioned him in the first five minutes of a podcast, but Jason Tatum, four for 19 from the field. He only had 10 points. And you know, Wes himself uh, hit a big three in this game. That was his only points. But ultimately, he's not the same type of player. But when you talk about the similar role that last year you had a guy that's like, listen, you expend all your energy on the offense, on the defensive end. And if you hit us a three every now and then, we'll take that. But Wesley, uh, he's working hard. Yeah. I mean, look, hey, I would I would love to still have PJ Tucker. We don't need to relitigate that right now. This is probably not the series where you need another PJ Tucker, given uh, the offensive struggles. Uh, but again, for the second time in three games to really contain Tatum, uh, this game, he did not make threes. Right. In that first game, he was four of seven from three, which kind of propped up some of his numbers. In this game, 0 for six, uh, four of 13 on twos and uh you know, you just, again, you just got to tip your cap to the work that, that Wes and Drew do in particular at the point of attack, containing Tatum, making life really difficult on him. Uh, and, you know, fortunately for the Celtics, Jalen Brown, especially uh, in the fourth quarter, really started to, to feel himself, started to go off. Um, but, you know, interestingly, I mean, to me, the, the, the kind of quiet biggest 
play of the game defensively for the Bucs, maybe not quietly, um, was when Jalen Brown with whatever it was, um, trailing by one, uh, I think Drew was expecting Jalen Brown to kind of slow, slow it down after Giannis had put the, the Bucks ahead. Instead, he kind of does a little hesitation, drives the basket, and Giannis comes over with the help, goes stays vertical, you know, Jalen kind of throws himself into Giannis and for seemingly the first time all quarter, a foul wasn't called when the Celtics went to the basket. Um, and that was obviously just a, a huge play because that then gave the buck ball, the bucks, the ball back. And then drew finishes off a pretty damn ugly possession by the, by the bucks in which Tatum once again, found himself sitting on his ass uh, defensively. He Tatum had some good moments defensively, but um, he got weight roomed on that play. We saw Giannis put him under the rim uh, a couple times as well today. Uh, and overall, again, just those those two kind of bucks, the big two for the bucks, uh, obviously made those big plays in that final minute. And, you know, we saw Jalen Brown obviously missed that shot. He missed a three. It seemed like I, I was shocked. He missed a three, I think, a little bit earlier. Um, and it might have been when the Celtics had already taken the lead. So, uh, yeah, I mean, containing Tatum, the work that Wes and Drew did obviously was huge. Uh, Drew, I think was two for, he was great in the fourth, in the third quarter, like five out of seven. I think he was two for 11 in the, in the fourth quarter. So that got a bit nervous with Drew and, and some of the shot selection that he had in the fourth. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Bucks are, you know, you, you kind of feel like the Bucks are going to go as far as, as Giannis and Drew can kind of drag them. And hopefully you get some complimentary scoring from the other guys. Uh, it, Drew 30 shots today to get 25 points. Not ideal. Uh, but ultimately made just enough plays on both ends. And of course, you know, you just can't take that defense for granted and containing Tatum today was obviously a huge part of, of holding the Celtics down uh, defensively. And again, everything starts with the Bucks defensively and it just feels like in this series, the offense, especially in half court is going to struggle significant, significantly. Three-point shooting was pretty much even today, nine for 33 and nine for yeah, 34 gross. between the two teams. <laughs> yeah, so no, no, nothing to split the difference there. This was definitely not game two, um, but, uh, you know, really just came down to the Bucks doing damage inside, plus 18 in the paint versus the Celtics and their big advantage, I think, but they were plus 14 from the foul line. So that was, that was pretty much it. Do the math. Like, that's that's pretty much the calculus of, of how this game was decided. All right, I wouldn't bet on the Bucks making three-pointers in the playoffs. But if you are into betting, you can go to betonline.net. And uh, I believe coming into this game, the Bucks were a three-point favorite at BetOnline. So I imagine they'll probably be favorites going into game four with home court. Uh, but if you want to check out the lines and the odds as they change throughout this series, do it at betonline.net. It's your number one source for your uh, betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league news, including this year's uh, basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, which continues to roll on, and this weekend's run uh, to the Rose as well, the Kentucky Derby. It's actually done now. But anyway, congratulations to all those who uh, were interested in that. Now, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at Online, where the game starts. I thought, I thought you were going to say congratulations to the horses uh, today who oh. ran in the Kentucky Derby. Absolutely. I mean, it's a big day for those guys as well. And uh, I hope... Big podcast uh, listeners, you know, good good, good on you, horses. Locked on Kentucky Derby, I'm sure. The, the podcast won't be too far away. Uh, the Bucks made a change to the starting lineup, Frank, and this was uh, you know, one of the biggest stories to come out of this game in terms of how the season, uh, series shapes out uh, moving forward. Uh, the Bucks were going with this big lineup. You know, I floated the possibility with 
uh, John Corrales when we did the crossover yesterday or a couple of days ago. And I said, look, I think at some point we might see the Bucks change the lineup. Uh, because Bud isn't always the quickest to make changes or he likes to roll with you know, what has worked and it has worked uh, since Chris Middleton went out, I thought that it wouldn't happen in game three. I thought it was more likely in game four if the Bucks lost. Uh, they put Grayson Allen into the starting lineup now. That's fair to say. Uh, not a great night. Uh, <laughs> not a great night for Grayson Allen. I think we can all agree on that. He was scoreless. He did have four assists. Defensively, the Celtics were really looking for him. And they were able to make him look silly at times, honestly. I mean, Grayson's uh, desire to try and go for a steal on the move, the old moving steal, a uh, very rare play that you're going to pull off, let alone uh, I- unless you give away a foul. But yeah, really poor night for Grayson Allen. But overall, uh, how did you assess this? Because I know, uh, let's say you weren't exactly pleased with some of the defense from uh, the previous uh, starter, Frank. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you can see it like when the Celtics, um, especially I think Jalen in particular, when they got into situations where either because it was sort of semi-transition or uh, because Giannis was having to scramble out. And we saw obviously extended stretches today where Brooke Lopez uh, was out with foul trouble. When they saw a, a basket that was not defended uh, by either Giannis or Brooke, they were go looking to go downhill every time. And and again, hard to do that when Drew and and Wes are on you. But uh, repeatedly, we saw Grayson, you know, just could not hold up physically. Pat Connaughton sort of also is kind of like sneaky, lacking in physicality against kind of big wings. You know, he can also get bullied a little bit and can't always contain them off the dribble too. Uh, and that was, I think, part of the story, especially when Jalen was attacking in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, if, if Grayson Allen doesn't score points, then <laughs> obviously the, the, there's nothing, you know, he, he, we've seen him. He's, he's been able to kind of may have some big steal games and, you know, make some plays defensively. Uh, but for the most part, if he's not scoring, then, you know, he's not providing value and put him in the starting five today. Uh, you know, the struggles he had, obviously, offensively and defensively, 0 for 3, 0 points in 25 minutes, um, did have four assists, you know, so, okay, that's that's at least something. But uh, he struggled and, you know, Bobby really struggled in the first half. I think he was like one for five, bounced back a bit in the second uh, second half, finished with 9.7 rebounds, steal a block plus five. But man, Bobby's pick and roll defense. I, I just couldn't believe how bad it was. Like he was just going out there and setting like, you know, the, just like the softest hedge. It's like he just kind of would go, you know, go out really high hedge, stop, and then the Celtics were basically like going right around him, not even having to like go backwards, like a, take any step and then just going immediately downhill. And of course this is where having Giannis and Brooke Lopez typically is a huge advantage. But remember for long stretches, especially in that third quarter, Giannis was dealing with foul trouble. He had to be really careful. And I, that was a shocking thing to me about the four, third quarter was that they really weren't able to take advantage of that. Tatum in particular kind of just went right around him a few times and they weren't able to really pay that off on the Celtics side. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter, though, we saw a number of plays where, you know, Horford got loose. Bobby kind of lost him on a pick and roll and Horford got in for, for a bucket. Horford was great today. And then another play, Bobby got stuck in the corner against Tatum. And that was one play where Tatum just went right around him. And I think he got a dunk out of it. So Bobby, you know, has been much improved defensively, I think, this year. I think, you know, the, the number of times where he just looks like he, it's just obvious that he's a problem have been greatly reduced. But I just like couldn't believe how poor that the the pick and roll coverage was from him today and again just like 
like trying to be aggressive, but just basically like Barry just kind of like, okay, I'm going to go here, stop. And then whatever the guy goes around me, fine. So, um, so yeah, the, the defense from both those guys, I think was, was problematic. Um, I thought George Hill defensively held up very well, took one shot and missed it. <laughs> so maybe it was like a very token George Hill game, but um, you know, I think a lot of concern that him coming back from his injury, that you'd get a real drop off going from him to going from Javon Carter to, to George Hill. But I thought actually George is being a bit bigger. You know, he was out there. He had to guard Tatum and, and, and Brown at times defensively. Um, and obviously, I think, you know, generally just did did pretty well holding up on the defensive end. But but yeah, I, I would say neither of those guys covered themselves in glory in between Grayson and and Bobby on defensive end. And I, I don't really know what Bud's going to do here going into game four, because I'm sure he doesn't want to have to switch his starting five again, going into game four, especially after a win. So I, I would guess that he'll probably start Grayson again, but I think the question is like, how long of a leash can you really have doing that? And we'll see, because uh, you know, again, if he, if he doesn't get uh, a kind of off to a scoring start, then obviously his value is just very limited. So I guess that, who would be the the? I mean, this is the interesting thing. Like, I, I don't think you go back to Bobby now. I, I just yeah. Hiller saw... Connaughton. Who do who do you like? Hiller Connaughton. Those would be my two obvious guys. What what do you think? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I, I would. No, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the other option is honestly, if he if he does want to keep his bench guys, which he has, is that Grayson Allen is out of the rotation and you play Javon Carter and start him. Now he's not going to do that, Frank. I I know that, but but to me. It's like I mean, you already said it. If if Grayson Allen isn't, then it's not. A, it's not only that he wasn't score. I mean, he wasn't shooting at all. Like he wasn't able to get the looks that we seen him have in the in the Chicago Bulls series. So he's looking a bit Bryn Forbes ish uh, at the moment. <laughs> that, that is I mean, very that, unfortunately. That is a very accurate round two comparison. Round two Bryn Forbes and round two uh, Grayson Allen. Hey, first first round Grayson Allen looked a lot like first round Bryn Forbes last year as well. I hadn't made that connection yet, but uh, yeah, unfortunately that one's looking looking a little more on the nodes than we'd like. Look, we said it uh, during the Bulls series. We said, look, if you get nothing else from Grayson Allen, uh, they were looking a little shaky in that first round series, and uh, he was absolutely on fire, and he was the uh, ultimate villain in Chicago. So we'll always have that uh, with Grayson, and we'll stick. Uh, with that, I'm always going to stick with Rock Auto as well. I'll tell you that, Frank. That's for damn sure. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only uh, choosing the only brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save money, save up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that you would get in that uh, chain store. An example here, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store. It's only 216 at Rock Auto. So if you need any of this, and uh, as I look out my window here in uh, in my apartment yesterday, I saw a, just a really weird car crash where this car seemed to be completely out of control but in slow motion and slowly just crunched into the back of another car as i was sitting here doing some work and i was going to just yell out the window rock auto at the top of my voice but i didn't think they would really appreciate it at that point in time so i'll let them go but anyway go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the head did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com 
All right. Uh, one thing that is quite crazy when you look at the box score uh, for this game, and uh, I think you mentioned the paint points, uh, Frank, but the Bucks were plus 20 in the paint again, which was interesting because the Celtics actually started the game scoring in the paint. And I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. They haven't been able to do this for the whole series. Uh, but as the game wore on, the Bucks got control of the paint again. But the Celtics lived at the free throw line. And uh, I, I I sent a message to our DM at some point. I said, geez, I just wish Wesley Matthews could get the Derek White whistle because Derek White, uh, if you if anyone even put a pinky on this man, they were sending him to the free throw line. It's honestly going to start, gonna have to start doing this against against Derek White. You know, it's, it's like, like prime, prime prime James Harden. Harder. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, as much as Celtics fans will, and uh, uh, has already commented on the the smart three at the end, and he said it was a bad call. Bud, he was a little more willing to accept that call, actually, which uh, some might be surprised. But uh, and the Celtics fans, you will see, you've seen it all over Twitter. Uh, old mate Mike Wilbon is just uh, crying about uh, Giannis and the way that he plays with physicality. I thought uh, Hubie Brown, and by the way, I love Hubie Brown, but I thought he was. I thought there was something Washed. wrong when. When, Washed. when Giannis was posting up and he's like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa. I was like, oh my God, he's just posting up, Hubie. You're as an he, did it, as a... he did it on when Tatum fell down on uh, on Drew's last basket too. Like, whoa. Like, <laughs> but the one like, thing right, I will say. Time to, time to put Hubie out to pasture. No, I, I, look, I love Hubie. And I know Bucks fans are really mad about it. So they'll probably complain about me saying this, but I do love Hubie. But the one thing that I do really like about him is when someone takes an ill-advised shot, so Marcus Smart took a three in this game oh, today that was heavily. I know convicted. exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah. And Hubie's just like, whoa. And like, <laughs> no, just no one else does that. Like his willingness to just audibly let everyone know it was a terrible shot. But anyway, getting a little distracted here. But the point being, uh, Celtics fans will complain about Giannis and say they want more charges, whatever. Uh, but 34 free throws to 17 is a staggering number. And I think our, our good friend Dean uh, tweeted out. It was the last four seventeen, or was, or was it the last quarter? I, I don't. You've probably got the six, numbers. Last, last, I just, I just saw Dean's tweet. Yeah, last sixteen minutes, it was seventeen to zero for Boston. It's just, I, I just cannot. <laughs> uh, how is that possible, Frank? I mean, you know, that's the thing, right? It just felt like, um, you know, Derek White was kind of the canary in coal mine. Just, it just felt like anytime. The Celtics drove, you know, that if there was any any contact on the ground against the ball handler, you know, body, whatever, that that they were going to get the call. And I was I was almost surprised that they didn't call that that Giannis um, contest on Brown in the last minute, because the remember Brown had that three point play where, where Grayson just sort of yeah. matadored him. Grayson did that didn't touch him. And Giannis literally just under the basket going straight up and they call a foul on 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 uh, on Giannis for that one. So, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, on the one hand, like you have to know the how the refs are calling it. And the Celtics were like, OK, like, you know, like if, if they're going to call fouls, you know, we're going to get free throws attacking like this, then, you know, we're going to do that. So, you know, Celtics are just taking advantage of it to a large extent. Um, and and obviously that was something, especially in game one, that the Bucks were able to be better about. And I think, again, I think part of this goes back to. Uh, you know, Brooke being out for extended stretches due to foul trouble, you know, again, is, is, is some of that get cleaned up with, um, with Brooke, you know, being in there, not being in foul trouble. Giannis was in foul trouble. Uh, that obviously doesn't help the Bucks defensively, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, 
I, I always like want to be careful. Like I don't think uh, you know, it's not the ref's obligation to make sure that both teams get the same number of free throws. Obviously, right. you know I think that's something that we we've made the point about. You know, Monty Williams complaining about his sons who don't play really with much physicality and don't really attack the basket. Um, you know, when they had that big free throw differential, it's like, well, you know, like, you know, you got DeAndre Ayton who loves to shoot, you know, fade away eight footers and he's very good at those, but like, you don't get to the foul line doing that. Chris Paul, you know, obviously, you know, hall of fame grifter, uh, but he's shooting mainly, you know, mid range jumpers. Booker's not a guy that's like attacking the basket every time either. So, um, so on the one hand, like, I don't think there's some obligation that, you know, the Bucks should always be entitled to, to shoot as many or more free throws, but you know, as I think what we're getting at is like typically Giannis, the physicality he brings, it's just very hard to defend him <laughs> legally uh, and do it without fouling. Um, so on the one hand, like I don't, you know, I'm probably less surprised at the Bucks not shooting free throws and just more surprised at the number that the the Celtics got. Um, yeah, I would agree. You know, like it probably should have been, you know, instead of 17-0, like, you know, 11 to two or four or something like that. Right. I think the Celtics were, were being aggressive and attacking and they deserve credit for that. But yeah, I mean, uh, certainly that, that was, uh, something the bucks, you know, kind of looking at game game four, uh, you hope obviously that, that they turn that around because that's typically an area where they obviously have an advantage. And, you know, one of the reasons Celtics didn't have as many pain points is because, uh, or didn't need to have as many pain points is because, every time they drove into the paint, they were getting foul calls. Right. So, um, so certainly something to watch really interesting to see how game four is officiated. Um, you know, certainly I don't know that they can be give, give Boston much more of an advantage than we saw today, but, uh, but definitely something to watch. And, you know, Giannis goes nine out of 12 today, which was encouraging to see. I think he hit his last seven free throws after starting two for five. Uh, but, you know, interesting with the volume of shots and number of shots he was taking, um, that he obviously also didn't get to to the foul line once in the in the last you know quarter and a half or so. So oh, and but, but just sorry, can just one other thing I would say too, like it's it's interesting with the um, with the the Marcus Smart the call the 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 was it a you know two or three shot foul? Uh, it it seems like in practice, and we've seen this right. I'm thinking back to a play earlier this year where Chris Middleton was sort of in a similar situation, like going up um, for a three late in a game where the Bucks were losing, and they, they called it a you know, an on the ground foul, not a, a three, three shot foul. And it's, it's almost like they should just like officially say that the only fouls that are going to get called are shots. Like as the ball is being like shot or as on the land landing. Right. Cause obviously we see a lot of calls on landing area guys, you know, not giving them room, hitting legs, things like that. But it, it seems like, you know, since James Harden's sort of peak grifting days that the league has made such an effort to take away the you know rip through or just the like going up type of of foul calls for three shots from the perimeter and obviously it is absolutely a different standard that they apply inside the arc versus outside the arc that's just reality um and you know again i i wasn't surprised by it today just because refs seem so unwilling to to give three shot fouls on on plays where they're just like kind of going up and and clearly looking for for a foul call yeah i th- look i i think if you're a Boston fan, you're outraged over that decision, and I yeah, I get it. Like I think I would, it's fine. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bucks, Bucks, we'd be pissed off if you know we. I was pissed off when it happened to Middleton earlier this year. Like, yeah, I get it, but it's just that's just kind of how they call it. It seems. And uh, well, also the other point I'll say is, in the moment, I was like, I think that's probably a three shot foul. And even if you go back and watch the replay and look at Drew Holiday's face, 
he's like, oh my god, he's like, I I I let that happen. Anyway, uh, we know uh, how it all ended up, and uh, that was a pretty wild sequence with a million tip ins. And I'm like, oh my god, they're going to make one of these. And I don't think if you're the Bucks, you wanted that game to go to overtime. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, the other point I'll make just on the foul stuff, just quickly before we move on, uh, I thought Giannis. It was interesting in the third quarter because he already had the the three fouls. Uh, or did he have four at that point? But anyway, he'd been in foul trouble in the first half. And you saw a number of times where he really, really, really controlled himself around the basket and didn't contest shots that he would normally contest. And it did give up a couple of layups. But I think for the Bucks to win this game, it was significantly more important that he did not pick up those fouls. So I thought, you know, I would say control or in, in blocking shots and contesting shots. It's just not his nature. His nature is to contest those. I thought he did a good job. Uh, obviously, earlier in the game, he contested a uh, uh, Jason Tatum uh, dunk that sent him flying, but uh, that's what he does. But I thought he showed good control, Frank, and, and the Bucks needed him out on the floor. I guess the other question I have, uh, Brooke Lopez had a double-double tonight. Uh, particularly early in the game, they were able to find him. And I think, you know, offensively, when you're looking at ways, how can the Bucks get something from their offense? Where can they find more scoring? This man was averaging four points per game in the first two games of the series. Now, some of them were putbacks uh, and he was able to get uh, shots around the basket. But I, I do think moving forward again, they're going to need more performances like this or even a little bit more because he's been one of the more consistent playoff scorers for this team. Yeah, we, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, I feel like we've talked about it after every game. I, I said it to Camille last game, right, that they were going to need one of these, you know, 17-point on 11-shot games from Brook Lopez. They get 13 on 10 shots today. Uh, could have had a couple more. There, he had a couple of, of pretty good opportunities where uh, where he, you know, missed badly actually in the second half on some pretty pretty clean looks. Uh, so that was a, a little little. It felt like he could have done could have gotten me to that 17-point. Uh, performance that I was asking for, but as you said, especially when the game started off, you know, it, it was a rock fight, you know, right, right in those first few minutes. And I thought Giannis did a nice job looking for him, getting him a dunk early. Felt like in game two, Giannis, after the hard start, kind of Giannis went head down for long stretches, and there were probably some opportunities, you know, where they could have found Brook and and gotten him on track a little bit more. Um, but again, important to get him a little bit more reintegrated. We actually saw some like regular post-ups, which mm. is pretty rare for Brooke. And again, I, I, I think he settles for, um, I think he settles for tough shots in the post too often. Uh, and he rarely kind of does post-ups anymore. He has great touch, but you know, he, I think does at times settle in, in those opportunities. But again, it, the bar is kind of different right now because this, the, the half court offense, especially without Chris is so bad. And it's just so hard when they're, especially with the three point shooting right now um, that, you know, you, you kind of want to feel like, well, maybe that's okay. Like maybe, you know, screw it. Like throw, throw the book, the, the ball in the post a couple times, you know, throw Bobby the ball in the post sometimes let those guys, especially if you can get them into mismatches, see if they can take advantage of that a little bit. You know, Brooke did have a three point play out of the post early in this game. So um, yeah, I'm really important. Obviously that, that Brooke come through, especially with uh, you know, the lack of offense coming from other sources today. And, and, you know, that, that was big. And I probably also want to shout out Pat Connaughton. I mean, he missed um, a couple big shots in the fourth quarter, but he also made some big shots today. He actually, I feel like ever since we talked about, and Eric wrote about the, you know, catch high, shoot high three pointers, he's like missed every one of them. That was like a few weeks ago. Uh, today he had two of them, including one in the fourth quarter. So 
Um, you know, he was big, I thought today, just giving them a little bit of something off the bench, 11 points on 10 shots. Again, you know, again, not like, you know, the greatest performance in, in his career or something, but eight rebounds. Um, you know, I just thought he did a nice job uh, for, you know, to give them at least something off the bench. And yeah, I mean, again, Connaughton, go back to last year's playoffs, man. It's just, you know, we, we talk about questions about Grayson. We talk about, you know, Bobby struggling defensively. Pat's just like one of those guys that you, again, hope when the, you know, when, when it's all kind of coming down to, to crunch time and, you know, you want a guy, you need guys out there you can trust. feels like Pat is still one of those guys. And I thought, you know, late in the game, the fact that you can still, you know, Grayson was on the bench, Bobby was on the bench. The fact that you can still put enough guys out there to, to play well defensively and just have, have enough offense uh, to get by, obviously is critical because right now the, the rotation is obviously not feeling uh, especially deep. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that, I, I think, and this is the case with every team, but yeah, before the playoffs, we're like, okay, I think there's a really solid nine-man playoff rotation here. Uh, if you need to go to a 10th man, you got sort of Javon Carter lurking there. Then you lose Chris Milton. It's like, this team just cannot score. And they've won two playoff games with 103 points, 101. Now, uh, to be fair, that's a that's an absolute scoring avalanche compared to some of the games they won in last year's postseason. But uh, look, they are really battling in the half court. And that's why... Uh, in this game, I mean, you think about the really disappointing end to the first half. The Celtics score seven straight points leading into halftime. The Bucks are down by four. And I'm sort of sitting here thinking, I don't think this is this is not shaping up for the Bucks the way they want this game to go because how are they going to be able to score? And then they go and rip off a 34-point quarter in the third quarter, which was so desperately needed. So, yeah, look, they're going to continue to struggle uh, offensively. But so far, the defense and Giannis, with a little bit of help from some of the other guys is just enough for them right now. Before we wrap it up, what else you got? Anything else from this game uh, you want to discuss? Um, you know, I think uh, I do think it thought that they had a good balance of Giannis as a screener versus Giannis catching the ball and attacking. Um, I think they did a good job, you know, getting him onto guys other than Grant Williams or, or Horford at times. Um, you know, he had that, this was that play on, on Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter when things were getting close, they got, him onto Brown a couple times. One time he just, you know, spun right around him for a dunk. Another time he was able to collapse the defense, kick it out um, for, I, th- I think I'm trying to remember if it was for one of Connaughton's threes. Um, there were very few made baskets in that fourth quarter. So <laughs> I should probably remember this. Um, so I thought a better mix there, you know, I can't just be honest at the top all the time. Um, and, you know, I, I think again, it's, I, I still don't think they've probably found the, the right answer in terms of mixing in, like, especially Drew, the fourth quarter felt like a lot, just too much of Drew kind of trying to ISO and then going into step backs. We saw like one or two of those blocked. Again, he can yep. make those shots. He made some of those in the third quarter, but some of the shot quality was really not, I think, where you want it when they're just kind of going into that kind of ISO style offense. Um, and I thought, you know, Grant Williams, I mean, has been great this series. Um, I'm trying to think like, who, who do I, who do I least want Giannis having to go against? might be Williams, honestly. Like, I mean, Horford is sort of be the other candidate. I think, um, you know, we've seen him be able to really attack Rob Williams. I just don't think Rob's like, Rob Williams is like kind of comfortable enough as like an on-ball defender. Again, just feels like he's much more of a help guy versus an off-ball guy. Um, but I, I thought, you know, the fact that they went really quickly at Grant Williams and Giannis gets that, you know, again, I think it was kind of one of those, you know, windmill crossover, kind of pull it over his head, just really tight, right? Because you have to be careful. You're not going to catch somebody with an elbow for his final basket to give the Bucks the lead um, with whatever it was, 50 seconds left. 
that was obviously an awesome play and a big play against a guy who's played great defense against you. Um, so, you know, we'll see kind of how they continue to, to kind of balance that. Um, I think they have to keep running those dribble handoffs and kind of pressure, put pressure on the Celtics defense to choose, like, are they going to, you know, really kind of stay home on Giannis when he's rolling, you know, sort of empty side corner, corner pick and you know, side pick and rolls. Um, we saw some of that today. Didn't really turn into like, you know, a lot of like baskets for anybody, but I think that's just a way to kind of put pressure on the Celtics defense that they need to continue, continue going for. But, you know, otherwise, yeah, I mean, fitting of a game that, that ends decided by only two points, um, as we were saying, you know, Teams had the same number of turnovers and points off turnovers, 12, 12, 12 turnovers each, 11 turnovers or points off turnovers. The free third, the three point shooting we mentioned was even. Um, and so it really just came down to, for the most part, um, the Bucks paint scoring and transition scoring just being enough to give them enough of a cushion and able to get enough buckets late versus the Celtics, you know, getting that parade of, of trips to the foul line. So, um, Again, call it a you know an unconvincing effort. Absolutely, um, I don't look at this game as as being like some statement that the Bucks are now, you know, should be the overwhelming favorites or something like that in this series. Because I can absolutely see Boston coming back. And I mean, again, if if they make three pointers and the Bucks continue to struggle, like Bucks could lose next game by double digits at home, right? You just can't really kind of count on anything other than the fact that the Bucks are going to need a whole lot of Giannis. They're going to need a good version of Drew and that defense to just continue to have to play at a really high level. And you hope that Tatum doesn't bounce back with a huge game because obviously he was terrible today. And, um, you know, I, again, nice to see Giannis kind of move, re, reiterating here. Okay. We know who the best player is in this series. Um, we know who the best player in the world is right now. And, He's going to have to reiterate that probably if you know at least two more times if the Bucks are going to come away from this series with a win. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll be able to look ahead to Game Four on the podcast uh, tomorrow when we preview that game. But the one thing, you know, I did feel at least confident about when you've got Giannis. We've seen historically that he saw one coverage in Game One. Celtics mixed it up in Game Two. Giannis had three days to think about it. He typically gets better when the longer series goes when he's going up against a guy like Horford or Grant Williams and really gets to figure out the way they defend. So uh, I felt like a 40-point game was coming. I think I actually predicted 39 in our, in our DM, Frank. So I was a little bit off there. Just, but just I give, say, him, give him the 40-burger, man. Just, you know. It's just... I know, I know. But I, did, but I did say that he would shoot over 50% from the field. Now he shot one for six and three. Finally hit a three and... Obviously, the Bucks needed that. He hasn't been shooting that three very well there. But a big game uh, for Giannis. And uh, I think the word survive is a uh, is pretty apt with this one. Uh, the Bucks survive. They lead 2-1. And who knows? I'll take another grinded out win in game four in a 3-1 series lead. But we'll see uh, how that goes on Monday night, it must be, at Fiserv Forum. No more three days off, which is good for everyone. So we're going to look forward to that. Frank? Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. How about us podcasting during the day? Or I guess it's. I know you won't have to. We, you know, you won't get uh, our, our lovely fans won't have to. You know, keep asking you where where the pod is. We can get it out hopefully before uh, before people uh, are going to bed tonight. And uh, not, nothing like a Bucks win to really kind of tie together a weekend and um, give you some nice vibes going into uh, going into Monday. So uh, again, let's let's say it again. Work of art or no, um, enjoy, enjoy the wins. 
Yeah, <laughs> all, all playoff wins are, are works of art. In my yeah, book. but the, the the huge mural of Giannis um, is is the work of art that uh, that's new to Milwaukee. I don't know if people saw it. I tweeted out a video of uh, of it um, earlier today. But um, there's a huge new mural uh, of Giannis on the side of one of the buildings uh, in downtown. And I'd say Giannis delivered on uh, on the day his mural was finished in uh, in quite appropriate fashion. So. Um, so yeah, Giannis, Giannis made our weekend yet again, and we can we can hopefully uh, have a, everyone have a nice nice rest of the weekend, not worrying about Bucks anxiety at least for another eh, forty eight <laughs> hours. All right, we'll catch you guys tomorrow as uh, we look ahead to Game Four. For Frank and myself, take it easy. Catch you guys then.